get my nom, nom, nom on with the my top chicks and we will eat on, eat on the weekly dish. Welcome to the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Ms. Molly Herman this morning. Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. In what, the German what a sense. Morning. Why did you decide to do that? That's, our friend Stephanie Meyer's in Germany. I is. guess that's why. It's <laughs> infiltrating your brain. <laughs> I did. like that. I like all of, that. All of her Instagram stories have leaked in. Yes. I, there's there's a lack of pretzels in, because in. she's gluten-free and I'm disappointed. Right. <laughs> Just going to tell you. Disappointed. Um, <laughs> hey, everybody. for the teams, Meyer. Yeah. Be safe out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little scary driving in. I actually had to four-wheel drive over a tree to get here. And there was plenty of uh, deep puddles of craziness. Yeah. And it was not a fun drive. It's not normal out there a little bit, but it's, you know, it's good. Actually, this is one of those days that is like a snowstorm day in the winter. Oh, yeah. We're Stay like, inside. I think y'all are going to sit inside and like maybe read cookbooks and do magazines and mm-hmm. hang out. I'm, I have a nap in my future later. You have a nap in your future? Oh, good. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. That's anyway. what you're looking forward to. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking to. forward to talking with you for the next two hours. Clearly. And then I'm looking forward to it. Clearly. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely, um, something about, uh, just the pressure of sun in the, mm-hmm. the Minnesota summer day is beautiful and it's fleeting and it's, you know, too few. And you feel guilty if you're not taking yes. every ounce of enjoyment out There's of it. There's a yeah. giant amount of guilt if you're not yeah. out there, like, living it up. Yeah. And I'm just saying, it's okay to sit in your kitchen right now with your cup of coffee and listen to the weekly dish and not feel like you have to go anywhere. You're here. Please, you don't have to because you, it's going to be... You shouldn't. A, you should, I, if you do, build an ark. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's what you got to think about first. So, um, so yeah. So, that's what we have going on today. So, uh, you had a little dining experience you want to talk about, I think. I did. Yeah. I finally... Finally, got to Demi. Yeah. Gavin Kaysen's new place over there in the and North I, Loop. And I promise Weekly Dishes, we're not going to, like, every time a guest goes, because, like, Hanson right. was like, let me talk about it. I'm like, no, I know. But, like, now, okay, but I want to hear your perspective as a food person. What did you think? Um, I, I thought it was a fantastic experience. And it was an experience unlike any other formal dining experience that I've had in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. Just the, the way that it was um, treated from the get-go. Right. And that meant making the reservations. Right. It took me three months. It took you three months to get in. To get in. Yeah. Now, that didn't sour you to it? That didn't make you like, or was it anticipatory? You were excited? It, well, once I got the reservation, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Guess who got a reservation? Yeah. <laughs> because right. Because I worked hard for it. Yeah. I tried for three months. So what I finally had to do, you know, like you set the alarm, make sure you're in front of your computer. It's yeah. all booted up. I had to have a list of dates that I could not go. Yes. Right next to me because you have to click on them super fast and furious. Yeah. It's possible. And let me just say it's, it is possible. That's why it's, it's, it's really, there's a trick to it, I think, because you do that. I think exactly what you're describing because the first couple times I've heard from people, they're like, you think you're in and then you're like, Oh, wait, this one is sold out. I didn't consider that I have to pick another Another one for for everybody, usually because it's one person picking for multiple people. Yeah. Well, and I will say that, like, I mean, I work a lot of nights and weekends, so it trying to figure out a date that worked, you know, was a little more dicey than, you know, just pick a date. And if that works, make it work. Yeah. Um, So anyway, yes, I went and I took uh, Janine Holick, who's the executive chef at Hot Indian, and we had a marvelous time. It was lovely. The biggest, coolest thing. Yeah. The chef that came up to us right away. Used to work for me when high school. Oh my god! In high school, 
he worked really? for Kitchen in the Market. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am. He had just moved back into the Twin Cities in January. And now he's working at Demi. It was really cool. Wow. It was That was a full circle moment. That right was a full circle yeah. moment. That's kind of sweet. It was very sweet. I love it. So, And you had great food. And it was how many courses? And uh, I lost count. Yeah. Oh, wait, I, have, but you were I have my little envelope here. Oh, look at that. So what's really cool at the end, because, you know, I mean, I took all the pictures and, of course, did all that stuff. But you sort of, you don't have a menu in front of you. No. And so you, you sort of forget. So at the end, they give you this little... Um, fold out in a beautiful envelope and they overlay the wine pairings on top of it. Yeah, so you can uh, see through yeah. what you so had. so it was really cool. I would say my favorite thing, it was called, um, what do they call it? They call it quail egg and it looks like a quail egg, but it was smoked hay panna cotta. It was oh. like the egg white. Oh. And then it was a brown butter emulsion that was like looked like the yolk and then it had some caviar on top. That was a, an amazing bite mouth feel yeah sensation. and it just looked beautiful in the presentation and oh good i mean all the food was good but that was a standout for me oh cool cool well i like Same. it all right well that was good um and that's that's one of those things that again you guys it's kind of an experience and i like the fact that it's ticketed because it's one of those things you don't have to like wait in line or you don't have to i for people who are who it's kind of one of those things you wouldn't do multiple times in a week anyway so just having it be a one thing that you can maybe peg a month out or something. It's kind of, yeah. I think, the right way to do it. it, it like I said, it was, it, like you said, it was anticipatory once I finally was able to get the reservation. And then you're like, okay, yeah, well, we're go, you know, here we go. Right. Um, one of the cool things, if, if you go, there's an option to do an aperitif ahead of time. And I would recommend that everybody do it, non alcoholic or alcoholic. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you walk in, there's sort of this, um, stand-up bar area yeah. mm -hmm. and and the dining room is curtained off um and the bartenders just sort of ask you what you like to drink and then they create something so yeah. uh nick was our bartender that night and he uh he was like well what do you feel like and it was a hot night and i was yeah. like you know what I really kind of feel like gin, but I also like bourbon. And a, so he did a mashup of stuff i had a gin and bourbon drink wow that was super light yeah and fruity fresh. and fresh and refreshing and anyway so that was just really cool i would i would recommend that everybody do that option just because it was a great way to start the evening did you see any single diners when you were there did you notice i did not see any single diners okay. honestly i was just gonna say i have a i have a friend who you know is a single she you know likes to she travels a lot and she actually prefers to eat kind of singly mm -hmm. like she doesn't want to give up a dining experience just because she doesn't have somebody right to right go and her. so yeah. she goes and it's um and it's, uh, she said that that was one of the best ones. She felt most taken care of and like never like an odd duck, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. And I think part of that is the way that the service is structured is like you're right there looking mm -hmm. at all the chefs working. And so, and there's multiple chefs that come around and then whoever's pouring your, your pairings and that you're, you're having a lot of interaction more so than you would at a table at a restaurant. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'm going to talk to you about something that is completely on the other end of that. Yeah, what'd you do? Which is eating a burger <laughs> on a farm. <laughs> because I want to talk about the article that I just put up, which is part of the August issue that. of Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine, yeah. um, which is the burger issue, you guys. The best of the best. And I want you to... It's It should be on newsstands starting, you know, it's trickling out there. It should be out there today. Subscribers got it. Um, you can always subscribe, you know, if you want to. If you want to do that. Um, and you, can, you can do that, by the way, by going to mscmag.com slash Steph's Deal, S-T-E-P-H-S-D-E-A-L, and I'll get you a special deal on the subscription. But anyway, um, Burger Night at Together Farms is something that I, Jake and I did uh, a while ago, and we haven't really talked about it that much because I knew it was coming in print, mm -hmm. and I knew I was going to write a blog about it, and I wanted it to be kind of like a, a kind of, you know, to kind of a reveal. Yeah. 
But it's in Mondovi. And I know today is a horrible day as far as driving um, through rainstorms and such. Today and so might not be Probably the day. not going to go today, but maybe next weekend is. It's just for all the pizza farm talk that we've all done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I love a pizza farm. There's no doubt about it, which is, of course, driving out to some, you know, farm where they grow vegetables and then they have a big pizza oven and they put it on there. And I love that aspect, but mm-hmm. it's kind of also like. I don't know. I always, I'm still hungry. I think after the pizza farms <laughs> or I'm like, this is fun, but it's pizza, right? Yeah. So what I love about this, this is Stephanie Schneider and her family out in Mondovi, Wisconsin. It is south of Eau Claire. So it is a bit of a two, it's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit around a two hour. Drive. I was going to ask how far. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's in the driftless region. Yes. yes. And that is the thing is, if it's you guys, I am sort of in love with the driftless. Yeah. I think that's where I'm going to retire. Like, it's down in the Driftless. I'm just going to buy an old <laughs> Not house. Not going to go far. I'm going to have a little hobby farm, and I'm just going to putz. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, like, tinker on things and, like, you know, paint stuff and leave it in the yard. You're I don't know. Have, are you going to have a yurt on your might, hobby farm? No, I don't think a yurt. I want an old, old house, because they have some beautiful old houses, because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of industry, you know, was down there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, these, so these, you know, there's some beautiful old brick houses from, you know, the 1900s down there love it and but the rolling hills and like it feels like you're a little bit in napa that's what i feel about the driftless and that's the thing about it is it is such a good growing country Mm -hmm. even though it's hilly there's a lot of great you know i mean you don't want to grow corn and soybeans on hills but yet there's a lot of other great there's wild hazelnuts there's wild you know elderberries Mm -hmm. all this great stuff um, but this farm is in Mondovi and it is, uh, it, it's, it's a family farm and it is, they, it, they have on the weekends, they have burger night. And so what they do is they raise, uh, heritage British White Parks cattle and they're grass fed, 100% grass fed. They have 100% grass fed lamb and they have pasture raised pork and they basically run it so that you walk, you can go down on the farm on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, that Saturday during the day too. And they've got a food truck and they're cooking up burgers. I was going to ask how they cook it, but a food truck on the farm. Yeah. The food, the, the food truck is sort of the kitchen. Yeah. And so, so, you're not necessarily a grass-fed burger gal. No, this is the thing. I don't order them. I don't yeah. technically order them. I don't. I don't seek them out. You know, by any means, shape, or form. But um, I was sort of, and so I was ready to not like the burger. I was ready to love the experience, but not the burger. And you know, there's sort of that balance you have to decide. Like, sure, you know, where do you go with that? And I have to tell you, I. I was wowed. Jake and I were both wowed by that burger. And, and you are a burger aficionado. I mean, my God. And if you look at the issue, you'll see we ate a lot of burgers just yeah. over the last couple months. But it was it was a moment of of like, wow. It can't, and she said to me, she's like, it's not just about it. It's it's the whole saying of like, you know, the best steak you're ever going to have is 100 percent grass fed. And the worst steak you're going to have is 100% grass fed <laughs> because it's about genetics as well. What kind of cow it was. It was about how they cook it, how they treat it, right. how they process it. And I'm telling you, they have got it down. down. And I, I mean, I have two pounds of burger in the fridge, in the freezer because I bought it from them. And I'm going to, I'm going to eat that as my home burger. So do, can you buy their meat yeah. all, anywhere other than at the farm? Or yeah. do you have to go to the farm? So no, they will ship. It? Yep. They ship weekly. So you want to like kind of put your order and I think that you can sign up and to be part of the store okay. and then you get an email like she just sent an email saying, hey, we have a half of, you know, we've got a couple of pounds of pork that they didn't have before. So they're like first come first serve. They put out alerts. Okay. You know, we've got like this much more bacon than we do normally or whatever. And so it's on sale. So they're the retailer, but do, and they don't wholesale to anybody. So you can't find it at a co-op nope. or 
Mm-mm. They won't be at farmers markets. She's at farmers markets. They do sell at farmers markets, but in Wisconsin. Okay, so you have to go find her there. And she's literally one of my new favorite people. She's just brash and fun, and well, she has a good name. Uh, and she's a staff. She's farmer staff. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, so burger night at Together Farms. This is a road trip that I want you all to consider taking. I'm going to put a link up so you guys can read the story. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have a lot of fun things to talk about today. Um, one of the things that we're going to talk about is the the meals that you eat on dates. And uh, and the the whole thing of dating and dining. And this is a fun thing we put up on the Facebook page if you want to uh, answer that question in terms of do you have a best dining date story or dining, you know, dating and dining story or do you have a worst dining and dating story? Because those are the fun ones. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us on this maybe just a little bit uh, soggy morning, if you will. Hopefully your basements are dry. If I could wish one thing for all of you. <laughs> a dry basement. It would be a dry basement. Um, it's a good wish. I think so. I kind of do. Um, okay, so here's a question. When you are home um, and you are eating at home, when you're by yourself eating at home, mm-hmm. no one's gotten husband, the kid, everyone's Do whatever out, I want. Doing whatever I want. Where do you eat? I eat at the table. You do eat at the table. I do. Wow. I do. Um, According to a recent survey, more than 1,000 American adults, the table is becoming less and less popular surface to eat on. See, I don't... I don't get this because there was this whole movement of people cooking more at home. So yeah. I would have thought that they would be eating more at the table. Well, it says nearly three quarters of those surveyed said they grew up typically eating dinner at a kitchen table, but a little less than half said they do now when eating at home. And the where do they eat? You want to know where, where do you think they eat if they're not eating their couch? They're eating on their couch or their bedroom. What? I know. I thought that was weird. That was a no. hard one for me. No. And then I thought about it, and I thought Jake sometimes takes like a snack when he's in his room, like studying. And so I get that. Okay, snacks, but like like uh, dinner? dinner. Like would you like sit? tacos? Yeah, I know, right? I, uh, they said thirty percent of the survey takers cited the couch as their primary at home e- eating location, and then seventeen percent took meals to the bedroom. So to put it another way, the number of respondents who most often eat at a kitchen table nowadays is roughly the same as those who eat at the couch or the bedroom. It's like a 50-50. Huh. Okay. Um, so it's kind Where of interesting. Eat? I, well, that's the funny thing is like we have a weird... Uh, so You stand at the island, don't you? We do. <laughs> we, I mean, we absolutely As soon as I do. ask that question, I'm like, I can picture yeah. where you are. Well, so I used to be a house of six. Right. I mean, at one point in my life, we were a six pack and that's a big family. Yeah. And we all ate around the table. I mean, we had we ate at the dining dining table. We had a huge table, too. We had a table that sat 14 people, you know, crammed. So really it was 12. But I mean, we sort of uh, and so we the six of us would take one end of it, you know, and that was it. Yeah. And we did it every single night. And then as the people left the house, it became Less and less, it felt weird to sit at such a big table. Too big. Yeah. yeah. And now Jake and I, we don't sit at that table. You know, it's like, so it's basically we sit at the, we either stand, like he sits and I'm standing at the island, mm-hmm. or we do sit on the couch and we watch a show. Yeah. Or we watch, you know, usually it's like this. It's like, you want to watch something? And it's like, yeah, we'll watch 20 minutes of something while we're eating. And then we both go back to our respective work yep. things. Um but a lot of people say that that is, I mean, and I, and, and the whole thing of the couch and the bedroom too, it's, it's the screens, right? Yes. And that's a, that is a, that's a new thing. And I will say that we, I mean, in our household, we don't watch a lot of like shows. It's mostly yeah. like sports events and stuff like that. However, yeah. now that I said that, you know, I always eat at the table the other day for lunch, I made nachos for AJ and I, and we sat, we actually sat on the floor at the coffee table. Yeah. 
and watch Stranger Things. So, but it was TV driven. It right. wasn't just where I would go to like, I don't know. Yeah. But we rarely do that. Well, I think about it in Super terms rare. of, uh, you know, um, Okay, so in a nationally representative NPR poll found that even though parents considered it important to dine together as a family, only about half of American children sat down with their family to eat on a typical evening. Um, and the most commonly cited obstacles were work schedules, caregivers' work schedules, and kids' extracurricular activities. Yeah. And that's what I hear the most mm-hmm. is always like, well, we didn't, there's no time to sit down. We've got to go. Right. Like I came home, I whipped up the food, you know, they ate it, we got it, and then I gave it to three, and then we had to go to this, and the other one had to go to that. Or you're grabbing something on the way or on the way back. Like yeah. you're not even eating at home. Yeah. And, and, and then, uh, but this is an, so this is an interesting, uh, trend that while women on average cook less than they did in the past because they are on average working more and this is a past to present thing sure. um, men have not increased time spent cooking in equal measure so while the women's time mm. has gone down it hasn't been replaced by the men right and so that's kind of interesting um step that's, up boys huh step up well boys. it says women still do about twice as much food work as men and so, uh, you know, not surprisingly, people eat out more, but it's like because it's just not it's still not balanced. Um, but here's the other thing that's interesting. They talk about how um, the number of people living alone has soared in the last half century. And so in big American cities, it's common for almost half of households to have just one resident. So more people are alone and they're not going to sit at a table. Sure. And then they're, I mean, look, all of this is really interesting as this is how changing how people consider home cooking and home eating. And this is the thing that we talk about a lot on the show. We talk a lot about cooking and we talk a lot about cooking for people. But I wonder about what percentage of our listeners are actually just, you know, cooking for themselves. Right. Instead of like when I always assume you're always cooking for everybody. Well, and we are in a world where we like to cook and we know other people who like to cook. So our our view is a little bit different than what, you know, yes. people that don't like to cook. You know, there's people right. that hate going to the grocery store. Yeah. I can't imagine that, but they're, they're there. There are. There are, people, there, are there. there are people. There are food people like, you know, in our little clutch here listening to Weekly Dish who are that way. Yeah. You know, who love food but hate grocery stores yeah. or that kind of thing. Like for me, I can't imagine getting a delivery I mean, I've, you know, of like food because I didn't get to pick it out. That's my own well, weird Well, and I'll say thing. I like going to the grocery store, but I yeah. have done the delivery, like Instacart. Yeah. Because, you know, if I've worked a bunch of nights and weekends, then on Sunday, I don't want to get out of my pajamas sometimes. Yeah. It's not that I don't like going to the grocery store. I just need some basics and I'll have them delivered. Do you really? Yeah. That's pretty good. Not all the time. Not all the time. And the, and it is, the produce is dicey. Yeah. Because you're not picking it out. I agree with that. I, yeah. The best is when you think that you've clicked on, I want one package of mushrooms. You know you've picked package. Yeah. And whoever is shopping picks out one mushroom. Bulk mushroom. Just oh, one. One. And puts it in a bag. Yes. And thinks is, that that. They're winning. Is what. Yeah. <laughs> that i can't trust that what no and then what if they pick what if they don't understand like what a good mushroom looks like what if they pick like the scrawny mushroom and if you only get one it better be the best dang mushroom (laughs) one you know in the pack little white button mushroom in a in a whole bag by itself oh man so here's another thought about just the way that people are eating at home and just this is interesting to me about how it's also changed with the layout of the American home. Mm. Consider this. There's been a move away from the formal dining room as a separate space in, mo- in most modern homes. It's also the new standard for open kitchens. And she point, this woman points out the shift in opening up alternative places to eat, you know, including but not limited to kitchens. This creates overall a more informal relationship to the moment when a meal is consumed. So we've already done this to ourselves. So if you're saying, 
you know, we've opened the kitchen so you can see your kids while they're doing other things. That creates that moment where food is less of a formal sit down and here we go. Right. You know, but I also think that that invites people to be more part of the meal with that openness. So it it can go the other way, too. True. I wonder how many what are what the stats are on how many kids are cooking now? Yeah, it seems like, you know, there's this rise in, in kids cooking shows and and competitions and stuff like that on on food channels. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's translating into kids actually cooking at home or they just like to watch it. I don't you know. know what I mean. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, that's an interesting thought. Um, and there's a lot of things. There's a couple. Inter- there's a really great story uh, from and this is from the Atlantic. I was reading the problems that home cooking can't solve the too often overlooked ingredients of family meals, money and time. Mm. And this is a thing where this was a really great article. And I'm going to put this up because this is a good rainy day reader. Um, but it's really about the fact that, you know, we all talk about everyone should cook at home more. And that's going to like, you know, it's this ideal that we put forth. And when you think really back to like dinner, you know, I mean, like this sort of ideal of dinner and sitting around the table, that that is a construct that is not I mean, that's relatively new in the last century. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds old, but it really isn't when you think of how long people have been eating. Um, And it's about how in the 19th century, I love the fact that they thought um, he talks about how um, there's a 19th century cookbook author that fretted that the six o'clock dinners destroy your health because they used to have the midday meal. It used to be all about because people worked on their homes sure, and at their homes. And so the wife, Homestead. the woman would get up and cook and then everyone would eat in the middle of the day and then they continue to go work. And it, this is now they're moving it to the six o'clock form was the fact that uh, in the absence of their typical food preparation and obligations, the women would give the day to gossiping and visiting. <laughs> oh, oh, the day of gossiping Ew. and visiting. Yes. So Such lovely times. I know. So it's really interesting about how, you know, we have constructs that we believe in and that the family dinner is something that is, you know, sort of it can heal everything in a weird way. And this is a really great thing about how it's so different in different different contexts that it can't that that ideal doesn't really hold up. And that it is a more modern notion than we think. Yes, and to take yeah. the pressure off yourself. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not <laughs> actually getting, you know, all those things in because it's not necessarily the big balm that we somehow right. want to do. Anyway, Good reads for the day, okay? We're going to take a quick break, you guys. We're going to come back. We are going to talk about meals and dating. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. We are uh, we are talking about dining and dating and dating while dining. Um, on the Facebook page, I just thought this was a fun. I just wanted to see what kind of stories we might get out of this one. So, And if you if, it's, if you don't have to put names of yes, it could be people anonymous. in there if you don't want to. We Let's just be clear. Huh? I said, we don't have to read names out. Right, right. But so we have a great, a couple one. The worst. Okay, we're talking about dating stories, like uh, the best dinner date or the worst dinner date. And so, um, and I'm just going to tell you, like, I literally, you know, my, uh, who's my ex-husband now? So I guess this didn't work out as well as I thought it would. But, (laughs) uh, you know, one of our first kind of dates there, he made me a sandwich and we were working in a restaurant, but he made me this sandwich and it was just like. I don't know. It was like everything I wanted on a sandwich. <laughs> and I'll always it remember like, your soul. And I called it the sandwich, you the know, for sandwich. a long time. And it was just like, for me, that was a moment of, you know, just really awesome things. And then I remember also and when I was dating in my 20s, I there's a oh God, my my Marcy Little, who was, you know, the woman who uh, she is retired. She's um just the woman who taught me how to sort of be an adult okay? <laughs> because she was my first boss and she, we hung out a lot and, um, she sort of taught me, she's like, so you're going on this date. You're like, have, you're like, you like this guy. And she's like, you should cook for him. And I'm like, I, 
what? And so she gave me like the spinach artichoke heart, you know, okay. dip yeah, recipe yeah. that I use now. And she's like, you need to make this for him. This is just like boy bait. And I <laughs> made the spinach artichoke heart dip. That's seriously, you guys, it's mayonnaise and artichoke hearts and right? like three cans of parm. Like that's what it is. And I literally made it. And this kid in his 20s, Rob something, I can't remember him now other than Rob, was bowled over that A, someone could make that, and then B, that I had made it for him. And I was like, wait, this works. It it was boy bait. It was boy bait. Totally great makeout session. Just going to (laughs) say. Um, Okay. And so a couple on the, well, now see, it's hard for you. You're a bad topic on this one because you married your childhood sweetheart. Did. You didn't even date. Did you date? I did. I, I did date. Yeah. Yes. Do you yes. have any but date? But was in high school. Yeah. So. so you weren't like going out for dinner. No. I mean, we did, but it was not like we would, like you would do it as an adult, you know? Right. It, yeah. So no. Okay. Well, Sarah- I, was, I was trying to think, I'm like, what? What kind of dating and dining story do I have? I know, I know. Okay, so Aaron has a great one. She says, I had a date fall asleep while holding a piece of pizza in his hand at Lakeview Castle on the North Shore. In his defense, he worked out a lot. (laughs) Our waitress came by and asked if he was okay. I just continued to enjoy my dinner while it was warm and woke him up when I was done. Oh, my gosh. She said, no, not a keeper. That's amazing. Props for letting him him snooze. And and then just like like, sitting there like... Aaron, you are you're a gem for sure. Okay, here's a great I one. I wonder, do you think it even crossed her mind? Like maybe pay the bill and just leave, I know. and just leave him sitting there. I like, don't know what, what would have happened. I would I would sort of feel bad for the person, I guess, <laughs> if he was at all nice, and then I would probably but he fell asleep. I know I, that would. Be I'm hard. not trying to be mean. I just it like, would be it hard for your ego too. It would have crossed the mind. Yeah, uh, Sarah says the worst. She enjoyed what seemed like a lovely dinner out in Quito, in Ecuador. Walking around town after I felt the slow rumblings of food poison. Next thing oh, I know, no. I was tossing my purse to my date and sprinting to the nearest McDonald's bathroom. Oh. My date patiently waited outside the bathroom, and when I finally emerged, confirmed that yes, he had heard every wretch. <laughs> oh, we know somebody we that had this. Right. I was just—it was just going through my mind. We have a friend oh. who she shall rename name. Yes, yeah, she had the same thing, but it was in her house. Yes. And poor, th- I mean, you know how miserable you feel when you have, yeah. and then you're on a first date. Yeah. And you know what? If they stick around after that, it's I only mean, up, I, I guess. I kind of don't even want to leave your, <laughs> I mean, right, the bathroom. That is the worst. Oh, Sarah, God. So if you guys want to add your date uh, horror stories, or maybe your, your you know, food moments that were significant for you and your significant person, um, those are over on the Facebook page. But what I really wanted to talk about was this new trend that have you, and I know you probably haven't heard this, or maybe you have. There's a trend for people who go out on a date just for the dinner. This sort of what blows my mind. This? Okay, so food is so very. It's called, by the way, and Sunny, you got to understand. Oh, this is going to be my favorite part. Go ahead. Going off for dinner on a date, and Sunny's our producer. She's here today, and she's got you know the cutest, the best name online ever than anything. <laughs> but this is called not a booty call, but it's called a foodie call. When you do, when you go out for a date just for dinner. Have you ever done that, Sonny? I did all in college. Did, did you really? I did all in college. That's why I'm like, it's a trend now? Yeah, they're, they're calling it, they're calling <laughs> it a, pioneer. a foodie call. That was a way of life for me. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's also called sneeding. Sneeding, like snacky sneaky, cheating? Sneaky eating. Oh, sneaky eating. So, okay, since Sonny is like, you know, younger than us and yes. very much more cooler way than in. us. So, do you feel like that makes, like, did you... Was it obvious you were going just for the food? Oh, no. Now, if, if you get caught, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. No. What are the, how do you be sly about that, though? 
why I mean it's just you know it's it's you it's like a first date but you know he's the guy and so caught up in our social norms and gender roles he offers to eat and you don't necessarily like the guy but hey hey he's offering to eat it's dinner and it sounds crappy I know guys are like oh my god that's the, but hey I was a hungry college student and I had to make things happen girl that's it <laughs> let me ask you a quick question both of you do you assume that the boy should pay or do you f- no 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 nah, I don't that's okay. and I don't because you could get into dangerous territory when you do that thank you I think that is a <laughs> thing that we don't realize like now yeah. we realize it a little bit more yeah. that because like when i was younger that was like it just was assumed and now i realize no i think i'd rather pay it was a more right. traditional role you know yeah well, because if you have expectations he's got expectations too so if that's just that's a rabbit hole i don't nope i'll pay and I'll then pay. if he says it's cool i got it this time you got it next time then that's cool but i never assume anybody's paying for my food yeah yeah i left the foodie day the foodie call the foodie call back in college <laughs> Foodie call. I love it. Thanks, I, thanks for this whole article is worth it just for that foodie call. I know, and I and I mean, quite honestly, it's like there's there's this thing. Well, it's funny that it tends to be these men who are just and they're kind of like they're freaked out by it, or like uh, it's almost like the admission of it is very strange because they're they like send each other like warning. This woman may be here just for the food. <laughs> so let me let's just level set here. Okay, we know that there are men who have asked girls out. With ulterior motives, not right. because they liked them. Right. So I don't understand why they would be so far up in arms. About I know. That. Well, it says, it says, so the studies respondents, there's a whole study about this, and they're saying that they'd never treated dating as a way to get free food, although, uh, and also they didn't approve of doing so. But those who had gone on a food, a free food date reported having done it on average about five times. And about a quarter of those who'd done it at least once said they'd do it frequently or very frequently. So, you know, so for me, food is very personal and I enjoy it. Yeah. And so I don't think that I could ever do this because if I'm not attracted or into the person that I'm with, I think it would lessen the enjoyment. And really? why would I do that to the dining experience? Well, if you're hungry, you're hungry. <laughs> nice. I mean, I, I with you, like I was also like, uh, you know, I yeah. When if you're kind of like also if you don't have the money to like kind of right. hang out or the other thing is is like if there is something about I would rather go on a dinner date with someone in this aspect mm-hmm. than I would uh, to just like go walk around I want to see how they react during dinner and so okay. it, that could you could almost couch that that's the same thing as I would just want to go on a date just to find out what they were like at dinner versus like I don't want to go walk around the sculpture garden as a date I want to just I want to that's go not a that's not that's not a foodie call yeah that's not a foodie call right. this is like these, these are people that were like well I wasn't really interested but he offered to buy dinner so I'm gonna go I know so would they do the same thing if like they needed a new person they're like Hey, do you want a new purse? And you're like, well, yeah, I don't really like you, but I'll take the purse. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I would take the purse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say Depends it. on what kind of purse. Yeah, it depends on the kind <laughs> of purse. I know. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are we are on the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So if you want to give us a call, 651-641-1071. Feel free to give us a call if you want to weigh in on the foodie call. If you want to tell us about your best date, your worst date, whatever. We've got all of that technology. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, guess what? It's the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, which means you can give us a call at 651-641-1071. And if you want to talk about your bad dates, if you want to talk about uh, hanging out, looking for places to eat tonight with some friends or what you got going on, just give us a buzz and we will answer any questions that we can find for you. Um, Okay, we did have a question about... Oh, someone, maybe you can help with this one. I don't know. You are a tea drinker. 
right? Yeah, I have tea so, right here beside me. You do have tea with you. So someone was asking what the some of the better places to buy tea are. Where should she oh, be going yeah. for tea? So my favorite place ever is Tea Source. Oh, okay, um, right. I know that they have one on Cleveland Avenue in Highland. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they have some a couple of other locations, but I can't really remember where they are right now. We can look that up. Yeah. Um, but you can buy in bulk there. Um, they let you test, taste things. They can, uh, you can also get the bags, you know, to put your bulk tea in if you're a bag person and you don't want to do the whole straining thing. Um, also a little more accessible probably is, um, David's tea at the mall. Right. The mall of the Americas. As the mall of the Americas. Right. Um, at mall of America, David's tea, it is on the first level over sort of near the big rotunda. And um, they have some great tea. It is the it's the peppermint tea that uh, my son AJ really likes. Okay, and so you can get it loose there too. Oh, very good. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. There's a there's there's a Mad Hatter's Tea Shop. Have you ever done gone to that place? I have. That's up, I think Elk like River. No, no, it's, it's up one hundred. Yeah. Hold on. Near Crystal. Uh, well, Mad Hatter's Tea Room is in Anoka. It okay. is in Anoka. Yeah, it's a charming, it's a cute little place. I didn't know that, you know, they listen and stuff. But that's a cute place if you want to go and, like, have, have the tea. tea experience. I will say, Tea Source, you can have tea there. Yeah. They have, like, couches and... Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little... But it's not, like, a high tea experience. You're no. just buying a pot or a cup of tea, and you can sit there and have a scone. And there's also sort of tea, high tea experiences at St. Paul Grill. Mm-hmm. We've done that. St. Paul Hotel. St. Paul Hotel. Yes, and that is lovely. And then Brits does high tea as well. Do they? They used to. You know what? I'm not 100% sure if they still do. Well, and now they are changing ownership, yes? So yeah, but they say nothing's going to change, so well, we'll just wait we've and heard see. heard that before. We will just wait and see. But there's there's something about coffee in the summertime, too, and I think, you know, I, I drink I drink tea almost exclusively in winter to warm up because mm. I only drink coffee in the morning, really. You know, an occasional latte here or there, like mm-hmm. in the afternoon, but like... I'm mostly, and I don't really make iced tea, but I would order iced tea. Right. Oh, well, and I, you know what? I'm the same way. I We grew he, up, Keith and I grew up on, there was tea on the counter or in the refrigerator at all times growing up. My parents made it unsweetened. Keith's parents made it with like an IV of sugar. It was just like super, super sweet. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so we grew up with that, but I never make iced tea anymore just because we don't drink it all day well, long like that anymore. Well, there's sweet tea. I mean, like that was the South. You guys were in the South. Was yeah. it sweet? That's what I'm saying. Keith's parents was really sweet. Oh. My my family did unsweetened and then you could add sweet and low or whatever you wanted to it. But Keith's parents was like, there. Were, I remember they put two cups of sugar Listen, in there. I have a, I was in Charleston uh, doing a restaurant opening for Ocean Air, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, that was the first time that I ever understood that sweet tea was like. Sweet uh, tea. Sweet tea. I mean, it was like worse than a Coca-Cola. So for me, <laughs> I was just recently home in Florida for a wedding. Yeah. And we went out to eat at this place and they asked what we wanted to drink. And I said, I'll have a nice tea. Do you want that unsweet, sweet or half and half? Because oh. they do a half and half version yeah. now. And I hadn't had sweet tea in so long. I was like, you know what? I'll do the half and half. And it was still too sweet. So much craziness. So sweet. All right, we do have a caller on the line. We have Allie on the line. Hey, Allie, what's going on today? Hi, I'd like to know where can you get the best wood fire pizza? Oh, well, that's a debate. That, that could take a little while. <laughs> <laughs> are you looking for like? Are you looking for like a quick thing? Or are you looking for like a full dinner kind of a thing? Or yeah, like a full dinner. But do you know what I'm talking about? That authentic, that really good wood fire taste, like the chewy crust kind of idea. Yeah, you just it's just so good it's just a melt in your mouth yeah so i i mean i will say that i have a 
I have an affinity for the for a quick kind of a thing. I I do love Punch, and it's the most accessible. Yeah, I was going to say Punch as because well. it's all over the. You know, there's like nine locations, I think, and so it's easy to kind of go and get. It doesn't really feel like a sit down dinner. It doesn't make pizza no. like dinner. But if you can get to Pizza Lola or Pizzeria or Young Joni, honestly, all the, good choices. I would also throw Birch in there. Birch Steakhouse. They oh, have yeah. downstairs. Oh, they have the their pizza is amazing, and it is a wood wood fired oven. Okay, um, great. Both Birch, actually Birch, Pizzeria Lola, Young Joni, and Punch also have some of the better gluten-free pizza crusts if you have anybody that needs that situation. But Birch is literally, actually, that's a really great thing is because it's kind of like... That's dinner. That is like you sit down, you can get a great glass or a bottle of wine, and it feels like it's like a really good dinner, too. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. All right. Good one. That's a good one. Now I want pizza. Now I want pizza. (laughs) Doesn't that happen all the time? This show is just like that. Um, okay, so someone asked... Oh, here's another question. Uh, someone was asking about um, grilling pork chops. And if they know... how, What's the best way to tell if they're done? Like, without cutting into them, I guess. Well, you, I mean, you can always use a thermometer like, if you... Yeah, you what's, what's pork so, internal temp? Uh, 160. Okay. I think. I think it's 160. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the, you could do the test on your hand, like if you make a fist. Mm-hmm. And if the meat starts to, depending on how you want it, honestly, you can, if it's really good pork, you can cook it a little bit on the rarer side. You know, yeah. you can have a little pink in there. Yeah, and that I, is absolutely fine. Yeah. We, we've been sort of conditioned all our lives to cook the crap out of it but, so that it's just like rock hard and then you don't enjoy it as much. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of pink is good if, if it's really good pork. Um, but if it bounces back, you know, like if you if you press on it with your finger and it bounces, that's well done, right? Okay. If you lose so you your fist like a just a little bit, and you like if you just you know you're still sort of making a fist but not closing it all the way. So she's touch talking your, about making a fist, thumb like where your, she's talking about testing on her hand that yeah, the pad of your her. thumb or yeah. what is this called? The heel know. of your thumb? Yeah, your heel. The heel, and you know you can that's sort of the when your hand is really loose, that's rare. Sort of almost in a fist is medium. And this is like, and if you touch your pork chop, that's how the yeah. bounciness. And then when you be. have a when you have a closed fist, that's well done. Okay. So you can use that little test. Okay. I mean, it's not it's not scientific. It's not scientific, but, but it works. Well, most and of the I time. just I, I think the whole point of it is if you want if you want to really gauge it, like do a thermometer, just poke a little biotherm, which is those little ones you get at the supermarket, and just see where it is. Yeah. And then the other thing is again, don't be afraid to let your pork be a little bit. Like it doesn't have to be cooked to to death. Also, remember, whenever you remove meat from a heat source, whether it's the oven, the pan, or the grill, it's going to continue to cook. Yeah. So removing it before it's like completely where you want it is not a bad idea because there's that carryover heat. It's still going to continue. And then let everything rest. I think always like if you're grilling and then you're going to bring something in, that's when you like then you 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 make your you compose your salads, you set the table or whatever while the meat is sort of sitting there. And then you can yeah, cut it. And you need else. to at least, at the very least, wait five minutes. And that's what does that do? That just basically it allows cools. The, the the juices to be reabsorbed into the meat, so that yeah. when you cut it, it doesn't. It's not all still so um, hot and loose yeah. that it just goes everywhere. And that's right? flavor, by the way, yes. that we're talking about. And that's why you want to kind of give it some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's. Uh, I think I my younger days I used to cut into like the steak right away, and it would just be this sort of juicy Ooh. mess. Yeah. And then it's kind of like you, you're lost on something. So mm-hmm. that's true. Um, okay. So farmer's markets, I just want to say I have a, to give a shout out to Tollefson's family pork, mm-hmm. uh, that the farmer's market last weekend, Jake and I went on Sunday and had just a really great 
brat, a bacon brat, and they had a sandwich called the Tricky Ricky. And it was, it's supposed to be pulled pork with bacon and cheese and stuff, but it, and with Havarti, which, dang, why are people not using more Havarti? I love Havarti. I love a good dill Havarti. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? And so, but they had this great, they ran out of pulled pork. I gotta tell you, we got there at like 1130, I think, 11, maybe 11, 1130. And it was like, everything was sold out. I just had forgotten how much... How early? How early people get up and like go and do things, you know? I just wasn't ready yet, but we had a great day at the farmer's market. It was nice. That quince or quince, I guess, is what um, is a little food stand there. Okay. And they have these burritos. Have you seen that? It's like a a hash brown sausage egg cheese burrito. And they were sold out by the time, but they still were finishing the last orders. So that was torture. Right. Watching them still cooking the hash browns. And we're like, really? You can't? I can't have one of those. And they're like, no. It's already like that's already for these people. Yeah. I was like, oh. so huh. get there early. What do, so, what time did most farmers markets open? Is it nine? Like, no, seven. Like Six thirty in the morning. My mom used to go super early. I know. Hmm. That's not me on a Sunday, kids. Nope. All right, guys, nope. we are going to take a break. I'm going to come back. We're going to have the second hour, and we're going to talk about fundraisers, and we're going to talk about 